0: Things that go bump in the night or during the day. Radiators make things fun, and yet we still have another episode for you. Welcome to Award Tour, the podcast. Thank you for clicking play. Uh, This is, yet again, the weekly conversation revolving around the intersection of race and sports, available wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, we're going to be talking primarily about the Hall of Fame elections that weren't in Cooperstown, New York. And of course, tell me something. I don't know. America's favorite game about to approach its one year birthday. And of course, the awards as usual. But first and foremost, what's up, my guy? Ooh, uh, you know, I'm just just navigating the waters
1: of late nights with the worst team in the Eastern Conference.
0: I uh, and it's already started happening. I don't know how to apologize or how not to apologize, but uh free Bradley Beal is now trending <laughs> all over NBA Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I see it. I see it happening all the time and it's it's a, it's a frustrating thing, especially since like, you know, It's not like the last three losses have had anything to do with the quality of team the Wizards have built because six of your top seven rotation guys are in the health and safety protocols. (laughs) So they're not playing.
0: I mean... So, uh,
1: I mean, Free Bradley Beal needs to wait until we actually (laughs) see what this team (laughs) looks like for real.
0: In fairness... It was a bit satisfying to see John Wall do as well as he did. Uh, I can't even lie to you. Nevertheless. I'm I'm s i am i am I know. I, I try I try to avoid it. I'm I'm really trying, man. I really am. It's okay. You don't have to root for me to get playoff checks. It's fine. It's not to root against my money. Ouch. Ouch. Just make the eight seat look, fine. Do you, if 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 they make it to the nine ten game, do you get extra money? I mean, I get at least one extra game, so. Cool. Make it to the 9-10 game. That's that's all we can ask for, right? 9-10 game? It's it's something. It's something. All right, all right, all right. Nevertheless. How about you? How are you doing? Well, you know what? New York has been cleared to play basketball. So you're coaching. I, I We got a season, dude. We got a season.
1: Brief. It's got to be a strange feeling
0: it, it is a strange feeling because a by season this...
1: starting in late january normally right you're almost at the end of the season
0: yeah like at this time last year we were trying to figure out how we were going to win a couple games in league play and now it's like well will the league have all of its members back what's what's really going to happen but that is exciting um that that part is actually pretty exciting uh unfortunately and, and it's on a sad note um Long Island basketball lost uh, JoJo Wright, point guard from Uniondale, last night. Uh, my prayers go out to his family. It just was really, really, really tragic. So that's that's kind of a damper on what should be really, really exciting. But um, nevertheless, well, at least we have the chance to be here. And it's it's one of those moments where you learn not to really take life for granted.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just awful to think of. 15 year old now no, that's just
0: and the worst part is it'll be the headline because of his talent but like he was he was from what from everything i've heard about him solid kid really good really good hooper as well so for his whole with everything and everything like it's really sad
1: and with everything everyone's had to go through with covid to you know have that harsh reality that there are still other bad things that happen to people is
0: just another, another downer. It really, really is. It is. So um, uh, if there was ever a time to hope for actual healing, I I think that would be the time. But um, yeah, if, if, if you know, if you know them, reach out to them, please show, show that family, show that community, some love today. And, and for, a really long time because it's it's going to be very, very well needed. We're going to switch gears and lead off with our headliner, which is the fact that for the second time in a decade, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame will not have any new inductees. We could go through the percentages in a minute, but the real story has seemed to be The emergence of Kurt Schilling as who knows what to call him. Let's review. Kurt Schilling does have a Hall of Fame resume. Two championships with the Diamondbacks, their first ever in franchise history. Snapped the curse with the Red Sox back in 2004. Renowned as one of the best pitchers in baseball. After retirement, he sort of stumbled down the QAnon rabbit hole. And by stumbled, I mean he led the parade. It got a little bit worse when on January 6th, the day that still rings in our memories because it was only three weeks ago, he was in full-throated support of what happened at the Capitol. Now, why does this matter? Well, it matters because voting for the Hall of Fame, ended on december 31st and there were already reports that as the lead-up to the announcement came that all of a sudden these writers wanted to take their votes back or they regretted it or they wrote think pieces about how they're not bad people just because they voted for kurt schilling to get into the hall of fame where does that leave us brian
1: You tell me, where does that leave us?
0: (sighs) Baseball has a problem. It's had a problem for a very long time. And now it's unignorable. And on the one hand, it's kind of sad. On the other, I actually couldn't be happier. Because everything that baseball has tried to ignore about itself is now becoming clearer and clearer every single day. Because now we have sort of evolved into the character argument, right? The one that's used to keep Barry Bonds out of the Hall of Fame, one that's used to keep Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. And all of a sudden character is subjective enough that people decided that voting for Kurt Schilling even before he supported the capital riots was a good idea. Baseball's now at a crossroads that it can no longer avoid. So I think the first element to that
1: that I would just ask a question about
0: is should character be on the ballot (laughs) there are three clan members in the hall of fame character that's funny i mean
1: so so that's i'm of sort of multiple minds with this thing because the keeping out of barry bonds the keeping out of roger clemens What I imagine will be the keeping out of A-Rod when he becomes eligible, uh, I guess, next year, is it? I think so, yeah. Keeping out of Mark McGuire. Like, it is clear that there is a faction of writers where I don't necessarily think it's a character argument that they are trying to make so much as they did something that gave them – they essentially cheated The game is the reason why these people don't want to vote any of them in. Now, let me be the first to say, I think that's nonsense. I think that any Hall of Fame that doesn't have Barry Bonds in it is not a Hall of Fame. Because Barry Bonds was the greatest player of a generation,
0: even before he started getting huge, probably. First ever member, the only member of the 500-500 club. 500 homers, 500 steals. He stands alone.
1: I am a believer that Barry Bonds was taking some performance enhancers by the end of things. I don't know when he started, but I'm rather confident he probably played about close to a decade in the league, still being skinny and dominant before he got massive and dominant. So, just nonsense to me kurt schilling the difference with kurt schilling here is we're talking about his character um through the lens of i don't even know if to call i'll call them quasi-political views because i don't actually think QAnon deserves to be labeled as politics um but the idea that people want to leave him off because in his after career, he's gone off the deep end with his public persona. That seems like an even worse justification to me to leave somebody out of a Hall of Fame for baseball prowess um, than the idea that you think that person may have taken steroids. I at least understand the logic of that as opposed to the logic of why Kurt Schilling's nonsense would preclude him from a baseball Hall of Fame. I'm of the mind that Kurt Schilling wasn't good enough to be in the Hall of Fame, but that's that's just me. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like we have to sort of... I'm not sure that leaving someone out of the Hall of Fame is like a proper methodology of shunning and punishing somebody for some really stupid radical views. Like, the shunning... And the punishing of Kurt Schilling exists in the form of he cannot exist on any platform anymore, essentially. You know, dude was dude was on Sunday night baseball, was he not? Yes, he was. That's his punishment has sort of happened, at least in my eyes, that corporate America has already turned their backs on him and Kurt Schilling's ability to make money still has been greatly altered by his stupidity.
0: I tend to think that whether we want to believe it or not, the Hall of Fame gives a lot of credence to anybody who's associated with it. And while I'm not sure if I see it as a quote-unquote punishment, I am glad that he did not get voted in. I think my biggest issue I might have I think I've mentioned it at the top of the topic but I don't understand how all of these writers are now writing think pieces about why they voted for Kurt Schilling and why they went to go seek help about why they were okay with voting for Kurt Schilling. That's a lie. I understand why completely because they were more comfortable with letting somebody with radical white supremacist views into the hall of fame. It didn't bother them. It, it, it doesn't touch them. And the sad part is I don't think I'm as surprised anymore. It's just a little baffling. And in some cases humorous, to watch them bend over backwards to defend it, and for yeah, me, I mean, if 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 you're gonna be if you're gonna be wrong, be proud and wrong about it. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna wave that flag of I voted for him and I'm not sorry about it, then don't cop, please.
1: Yeah, I'd rather on what somebody... your
0: privilege on what your privilege has allowed you to tell all of us about your Hall of Fame vote. Just do it. Or even
1: just be as straightforward as saying, I'm voting a set of baseball stats and a set of baseball accomplishments. I'm not voting based on who I think is a good person. I don't have time to base my vote off of every single thing that people do off the field i'm voting for what happened on the field i mean i would be able to accept that explanation from anybody once again i mean you talked just now about the idea of the hall of fame holds itself up to some sort of credence some stand some they feel like they're holding themselves up to some sort of higher standard and again let me just say i think it's all bs because You are a Baseball Hall of Fame. (laughs) Your job is to honor the greatest baseball players of all time. As you have already mentioned, there are three white supremacists already in the Hall of Fame. KKK members, you said, correct? Correct. Nobody's thought back, maybe we should pull these people out. I'm sure there are plenty of people in the Hall of Fame who suffered through... Serious off-the-field issues. Probably weren't the highest of character guys. We're not revoking their passes now. So, like, I really... I feel like I, I just don't... I could give two craps about some moral stand that the Hall of Fame wants to make, that the Baseball Writers Association of America wants to make on who's getting into the Hall of Fame. that You know you have to not only have been uh, incredibly good statistically, but you would need to have been Derek Jeter in your personal life. I'm not buying any of that. That's stupid. We're talking about baseball accomplishments. Did Barry Bonds hit 755 home runs? Yeah, he did. Was Barry Bonds the best player of a generation? Yeah, he did. Was he aided by steroids? Yeah, probably. But that was just the fact of the game at the time. So deal with it. Acknowledge it. And don't just pick two or three guys from that era who you believe in your heart didn't do anything. Like, Come on. I don't think Derek Jeter ever took steroids, but none of these writers know for sure that he never took a needle or that he never took a pill. They don't know. He could have. Same with anybody else from this era who they're going to put in. Just because he didn't show up in the Mitchell Report, just because he wasn't on Balco's list or whatever, whoever you're putting in there, you just don't know. So you can lose me with the moralization Because clearly you were willing to put in KKK members when it was part of an era where it didn't seem so weird. So why not put in steroid users when it's part of an era that doesn't seem so weird? And why not put in Kurt Schilling if you believe he deserves to be in there based on what he did on a baseball field? Like, I don't know. It's just, like you said, the more the more disturbing part is that if you were really so bothered by it after the Capitol riots, why weren't you bothered by him before? Like, it was all out there for you to see already. So, did it take a Capitol riot for you to care about it? And if it did, well, you look like a
0: dumbass. Let's even take that a step further because it's been so long. It feels like weeks are months to a point where we forgot to acknowledge the passing of one of the greatest baseball players of a generation, uh, Hank Aaron, uh, who lived a full life. And what tends to happen to black athletes from the sixties and seventies is you hear a line that goes like, Oh, well, you know, they, they beat racism. You know, they, they, they were patient. They were polite. They stood the test of time. Um, First of all, I'm people people talk about racism as if it's something that like you overcome like a hard test as if it's as harmless as waking up stumbling out the door putting mud on your face and saying you know what it doesn't matter i'm going to power through and make today a great day Racism is intentional. Racism is willful. Racism is consistent. And especially in the 60s and 70s, racism was... I am grateful that after the handful of white writers said, Oh, rest in peace to the quiet, graceful heron," No... He was very open about the fact that as he was approaching Babe Ruth's home run record, he got death threats by mail. Do you know how much hate you have to have to write in a letter and send it by mail? And he got Boatloads of that. The overall thing about baseball that really hurts is that. The sport's gatekeepers are very okay. With the status quo. They were okay enough that. Kurt Schilling tried to take himself off the ballot and they said, nah, homie, you, you go when we tell you to go, which to me is just kind of funny and I'm not sure it really shows anything, but the gatekeepers are very intentional about what they want, about the message that they want to send. And I'm glad that we're at a point now that it's all out in the open. And it can never be denied. It doesn't matter how much you want to wishfully think that it can't be denied.
1: That almost brings up an interesting point in the sense of, is baseball the only sport where the writers are the gatekeepers?
0: I don't think so. I just think that they're hold on the on being the gatekeepers is stronger they're the gatekeepers to the hall of fame who are the voters for see this is where some homework would help
1: yeah i mean i'm, I'm trying to think i assume that like who votes hall of fame for voting for the nba is also done by media but i just think in the sense of like who the gatekeepers are of the game I mean, it feels like in this modern era, the players are just as much of a gatekeeper in basketball in terms of defining the norms, defining what is okay, what is passable behavior, and the media almost has to follow their lead now. And if I think of the NFL, like, the only gatekeepers are the owners, it feels, like the owners run everything.
0: The owners and the old coaches.
1: I mean, I, I would just go straight to owners because, I mean, I think that especially with what we're seeing with the lack of black head coach hirings in the NFL, you literally have all the forces of the league, I don't want to say conspiring together, but like literally coming together, being open about this is a problem, we need to do better with this, writing reports, coming up with initiatives, and just this off season, ownership is essentially whitelashed <laughs> and said, yeah, we hear what you want, but no thanks.
0: We're going to keep doing what we want to do. And of course, for the second time in three years, a Houston job that is not attractive to anyone decides, you know who can fix this? A black guy. Happened with Dusty Baker with the Astros, and it's happened with the Texans this time too.
1: And it's, we, uh, yeah. I'm gonna not get into anything with the Texans, but uh, it's just, uh, it does make me wonder who, how, how do the writers still have such a large gatekeeping role in baseball in 2021? It just seems bizarre. I don't know. Once again, as I said, I can only get so heated about this discussion just from the sense of, like, you know, I have not had faith in baseball (laughs) for a long time. I don't care about their Hall of Fame because they've invalidated it to me for a while now. So, like, you want to toss Kurt Schilling in because you thought he was a good enough pitcher? Toss him in. You want to not toss him in because he wasn't good enough? Sure. But, like, I'd just rather the Hall of Fame stop with all this character evaluation on who's getting in or not as if they actually know the character of these players. Like, get out of here. That should probably end our baseball distance for the episode. And uh, there's some pretty big news because we are recording on a Thursday morning right now. And what seemed to be inevitable has finally happened. Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson has indeed asked for a trade out of Houston. He wants his freedom from that just disaster, dumpster fire of an organization. But at the same time, him asking for a trade, it makes me really feel for Texans fans. Because if you're a Texans fan, you will in two straight off seasons have to live with DeAndre Hopkins being traded out and Deshaun Watson being traded out. Two of your three cornerstone franchise players who started to bring the team to A level of prominence it hadn't previously really attained. A consistent playoff team, consistent playoff contender. Uh, you got to be pretty heartbroken if you are saying goodbye to Deshaun Watson. Which leads us into America's favorite game. Tell me something I don't know. Let's put on our fan hats. And let's think of the time a trade has left us heartbroken.
0: For me, it was very recent heartbreak. And I tend to have it pretty solid with the New York Yankees being my favorite team. But that evens out with the other teams that are all New York teams that managed to fit into that trifecta. And the trade that hurts the most is Carmelo Anthony being traded from the Knicks. Now, one will argue that Melo didn't bring a ring. He was a ball hog, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Carmelo Anthony, at the time he was with the Knicks, was a top 15 player in the league. The Knicks hadn't had one of those in a very long time. In the early part of Carmelo's stint with the Knicks, they were actually fun to watch. He never really had much help, but it was really, really, really fun to watch. I think back to Easter Sunday in overtime against Chicago. He hits that three. that should have been an and one to tie the game to send it in overtime. And he comes back and hits another one that was effectively the game winner. Back when the garden was rocking for really good reasons and not just because another good opponent was in town. It was like the Knicks are actually OK again. And we're and we see some promise this year because it's amazing what uh what an actual head coach will do with a young roster. But when Mella got traded, I was like, wow, it's really over. We're not coming back from this. I wish I had something that was a little bit more, I guess, in the childhood phrase that would make me really, really sad. But, nah, that one still stings to this day. I really want him to come back if we ever get good again. Honestly.
1: That's an interesting one because I was on the other side of the spectrum in the sense of by the time Melo was traded, I was mad because they'd done it way too late. Ah, and it had sort of been clear to me, at least, that they had missed the boat on trading him and recouping actual value for him by the time that he was already on the declining end of his powers. And because remember, all they ended up getting back for him was like Doug Mcdermott
0: and and Doug Mcdermott. Yep
1: and in his cancer and I had sort of been I want to say it was probably two years prior advocating trade him to Chicago right now before you re-sign him his powers decline more and I remember at the time because Chicago had wanted to go after him in free agency and they wanted to pair him with D Rose, Pal Gasol, Lou Aldang, you know, Joe Kim Noah, the old guard that they had.
0: That would have been a very good team too.
1: They had a young guy named Jimmy Butler, who I still believe at that time would have been available via trade for Carmelo. And you could have done something like Mello, Jimmy Butler, Carlos Boozer in a first. And the Knicks missed the boat because they were clinging to their guy. The other funny thing about it is when I look at what Melo's doing now in Portland, he's finally become exactly the player who I wouldn't have wanted to trade it. Because my biggest problem with Melo by the end was Melo was still playing like he was 2012, 2013, 2008 Melo. And he was stunting the development of Porzingis in the process. Had he started to play the way he's played in Ho- uh, Portland, which is, he's really ditched all semblances of iso ball and has become a really efficient catch-and-shoot player who can still get you 20 points and seven boards in a given night because he's that talented. So that one didn't hurt me as much, but... I do have a childhood Knicks one that just absolutely slayed me. And it was the day that John Starks was traded. (sighs) That one killed. And don't get me wrong here. The Knicks won that trade. They got Latrell Sprewell. They only gave up Starks... Chris Mills and Terry Cummings in the process, three guys who were at the end. Latrell Freewell takes them to the finals that very year, along with Allen Houston. So, like, they won the trade. That doesn't mean it didn't hurt. John Starks, to people who were not Knicks fans growing up in the 90s, Patrick Ewing was the star. But Patrick Ewing wasn't the heart of those Knicks squads. The heart was always Oakley, Mason, Starks. It was those three guys in the passion they played with. And John Starks was just the ultimate underdog story. A guy who goes from the CBA to not just making the New York Knicks, Becoming sixth man of the year. Becoming perhaps Patrick Ewing's most notable sidekick for doing the closest thing anyone's probably ever done to dunking on Jordan. He was toughness. He was grit. And I had his autograph. He signed a napkin. He signed a napkin for my grandmother who saw him in the lakeside diner. some good sugar nuts at that diner I tell you no wonder he was there so when John Starks was traded I was shredded I still wore my Starks jersey before every Knicks game but it was just it was it was it was too much for an eight-year-old to handle not being able to see John Starks in a New York Knicks jersey anymore made me sad.
0: Yeah, still does I, I i i can see it i can see it like i'll be honest i was very late to my Knicks fandom i didn't really start paying attention until maybe 2004 2005 oh you picked a terrible time yeah man. i know yeah <laughs> I, I know i know i i miss, jumped I, on the marbury eddie curry years oh my lord and then, the dynasty Look, Marbury gets too much flack sometimes for having to deal with a not great situation. But my at least when it comes to my fandom, I'm honest about when I was really paying attention. Like I don't like for the Yankees. I never say we have 27 championships because I didn't really start paying attention to the team. until like 2003, that was the year when Aaron bleeping Boone sent them to the World Series where Josh Beckett embarrassed us. The Knicks was around the same time. Football, well thanks to Madden, it was a little bit. It was a little bit earlier. I always wish Chad Pennington had more of an arm. And hockey was a happy accident, but all all of that is to say the childhood trades, I feel you on that hurting. Especially since John Starks of all guys He was a type that you thought would never ever leave. And I say that in retrospect, just looking at the history that he had, looking at, you know, the showdowns, especially with Michael Jordan, you think you look at that and you think, especially in New York, where they love their blue collar stars, there's no way he's going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the business takes over.
1: Everyone's tradable. Some just hurt more than others.
0: So let me ask you this. If you. Let's say you ran the Knicks. Forget it. Why not? Go. Let, 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 let's be present day. Here we go. All right. We're doing present day. We are doing present day. If Julius Randle continues this torrid stretch. And I'm not gonna lie, I never saw him being this good in this system. But I'm I'm it's not even enough to say like, oh, I'm impressed with him. Like this is actually really cool. Because he had a weird start to his career and is finally seeming to settle down. If the Knicks are in contention for at least an eight-seed or a seven seed, do you trade Julius Randle if you package?
1: I mean, it sure depends on what I could get back. That's always the – but, I mean, I'm, the way I'm approaching the Knicks right now is just don't touch anything. Thank you. Just let this play out. They're fun to watch right now. Tibbs has them playing hard. They have overachieved so far through, A quarter what, 19 them. games, mm-hmm. 20 games, something like that. Just let them play it out. We're – There is no trade that the Knicks could make this year that could make them anything more than a team that gets swept or loses in five games of the first round of the playoffs. So why give up anything of what is a young building nucleus together to try and go for that? Be patient for once, Knicks. Stay the course. You got two first-rounders coming in next year. You got one of the first two or three second-round picks next year because of Detroit. You own Detroit's second-round pick. So you're probably going to have, what, three top 33 picks. One of them might be top 10. Two of them might be top 10. Mavericks aren't a shoe in for the playoffs right now. RJ Barrett looks like he's a future all-star. IQ is much better than I was anticipating for a rookie.
0: He should start.
1: I don't care about the starting thing. Like he's <laughs> he's playing Well, like he's playing enough meaningful minutes. I think it would help the offense early in games if he was starting, but at the same time, how much offense is really gonna run through him when RJ and Randall are on the floor together. Those two guys soak up the ball when they're on the court together. So I I just want to see the Knicks stay the course for once. Let this thing build. Let it build naturally. you got a lot of good young talent. You don't cost any money yet. Shoot your shot once it's time. Shoot your shot once you are clearly a playoff team trying to get to the next level. Don't shoot it just trying to get to the playoffs. That's what the Knicks always do. Never works.
0: In fact, that's the reason why Carmelo even got to New York in the first place.
1: They at least, when they did the Carmelo trade, had reason to believe that alongside a healthy Amari, that duo was consistent top four team in the East. But then they. But gave I'm up also their, bitter about it.
0: like they also came up their starting point guard. I mean, it yeah, the, was small forward. I mean, look, Mello was going to play that position, and most of their depth, their depth, from what I remember, their depth was. More than half of the reason they were in many games.
1: It's one of the reasons why I never was able to be fully a Mellow guy. Mm. Was because if Mellow wanted to be in New York as badly as he was telling everybody. Could have just waited till he was a free agent. Knicks could have just signed him in the offseason. Because they had the cap space cleared out for him. And then all of a sudden he could have been joining a team that had a lot of depth. Now, what would have happened if he waited till he was a free agent? He wouldn't have been able to get as much money through an extension based on the Bird rules as he was able to get if he was traded to New York. So, Melo did what he had to do by forcing his way out to secure some extra dollars. But in the process, the team he was going to got absolutely gutted of all the guys that were going to be playing alongside him. And it took a couple years to actually get truly competitive because when he got there, it was just Amari. I mean, freaking playoffs the first year the Melo was there when they lose to the Celtics in four games. Fully healthy, they looked like they could have given the Celtics a run. But Chauncey Billups gets hurt after game one, and Amari Stoudemire gets hurt during warm-ups for game two. And next thing you know, Anthony Carter's running the point. Oh, my
0: gosh. I haven't heard that name in so long.
1: So I'm still bitter about that one. Wish he had just come over via free agency like five months later and the Knicks could have been.
0: <clears throat> Maybe you go get the feels, Felt- Maybe.
1: They could have been like an original small ball team. You could have been going Felton, Chandler, Gallinari, Mello at the four. I mean, Gallo could have been the four if Mello wanted to be the three so bad. Like, who really cares? Amari at the five. Oh, team would have been buckets.
0: That could have been fun. They wouldn't have been able to stop anybody.
1: Oh, no, they wouldn't have been able to stop anybody. But offense wasn't as good in 2011 as it is now. So
0: That's true. Just like the Brooklyn Nets. well you've gotten enough Nick's talk to last for at least the next week we don't typically get to do that on this here program Uh, it, it is nice when we do And you know you're dealing with two Knicks fans here, so it is what it is. But you know what time it is for right now? It is time for the namesake, the award tour, where each week we hand out awards, sometimes for good things, sometimes for bad things. There's usually a great reference wrapped up in there somewhere. And Brian is going to lead off because now we have reached a point where people are starting to understand just how money works, sort of. Yes, you allude to what is the most
1: fun, at least in my eyes. I'm not even sure if fun is the right word anymore. Most interesting story of the week. But let's first give you the context of the award here. One of my favorite things that every now and then happens in sports is the premature Gatorade bath. And one that sticks out in my head above all else was a uh, Kentucky versus LSU college football game in like the early 2000s. And the Kentucky players with like five or six seconds left in the game, they're up by three points. LSU's at their own 25-yard line. The Kentucky players Gatorade bathe the coach like fans are already starting to like sort of get past security and get onto the field and getting ready to climb the goalposts and everything coach is freezing cold he's got a smile on his face though because he's just picked up the biggest win of his career or so everyone thought because LSU then hits a 74 yard touchdown pass on a Hail Mary where somehow Devery Henderson sneaks behind the defense Whew. And those fans up on the goalposts are up there for no reason. Uh, The soaking wet, probably freezing cold head coach is soaking wet and freezing for no reason. Premature celebration. Not a good feeling. We may have some of that going on right now in the markets. Uh Uh-oh. I only follow the markets at like a slightly above novice level. My understanding is certainly nothing close to expert, but what has been going on in the past
0: couple weeks. I'm sure you've been to a GameStop before. Oh, I have. I have gotten fleeced for many a game.
1: GameStop, a good old brick and mortar uh, retail store that sells video games and video game appliances. And, uh, I mean, we we all know that Amazon.com and Walmart exist now. So, you know, brick-and-mortar stores, seemingly a thing of the past for the most part. Because of that, some Wall Street hedge funds decided they were going to short GameStop stock. Meaning, essentially, when you are shorting a stock, you are betting that it will do poorly over the coming weeks or coming months. And so you borrow shares and sell them at a higher price and eventually buy them back when it falls to a lower price and return them to who you borrowed from, thus keeping the profit. Hedge funds do this quite often, uh, and it's something that they do sometimes manipulatively, but other times it works as like sort of a balancing out the market and stopping the stock market from having like runaway hype trains. So, for whatever the reasons, hedge funds got super involved in GameStop. They were betting on GameStop stock to fail. Well, some people on a Reddit thread essentially decided to come together and say "f you" to Wall Street. And how have they been doing that? They have been all—you some could say colluding, some could say just promising together in public on a social media forum that we need to buy this stock, we need to buy it in mass, we need to drive up the price, and we need to hold it. Don't get greedy and sell when it starts going up. Let's all hold it and hurt these hedge funds because the thing about shorting a stock, you have to buy those shares back at some point and you have to return them to who you got them from. So if the price goes higher, You're losing as much money as that stock price goes higher. So GameStop, which was trading at about $6 a share a few weeks ago, Let's, uh, let's, let's find their ticker right now. Where are they trading at now? It's now trading at $403 a share. I'm sorry, excuse
0: me. $403 a share. That's where my PS5 is. That's crazy. Wow. I'm so, so mad. I didn't get in on this. I'm so mad. Well, well, so
1: here's the, 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 the excitement that you just uh, put out there. I'm worried that's the premature Gatorade dump here. Mm. Because there are a lot of people. The situation that has been created is extremely volatile now. Because as many people who started this movement will acknowledge GameStop stock will go down again and it will fall back to similar levels to where it started at some point in time because eventually like the reason GameStop stock is up has nothing to do with the company has nothing to do with increased sales has nothing to do with market fundamentals that typically lead to people saying oh yeah i want to invest in this company this is just a bunch of people who all decided i want to stick it to wall street and then in the process it is sucked up some people who think this is some get rich quick plan that it's going to keep going up because everyone's in on it that's one element to the premature gatorade dump because there are some people who are amateurs, who are getting involved, who will get seriously hurt financially by trying to jump in at the high points. Um, And it's already happened to some people who bought in at $155 one day and then when it cratered to 100 hours later, panicked and sold out at a loss. And that sucks for those people who that's happened to. Um, But the other side of the premature Gatorade celebration is While I love the heart and the concept behind trying to stick it to Wall Street and these hedge funds, it's not necessarily a good thing if hedge funds go broke because a bunch of people on social media conspire against them. Because hedge funds contain not just rich people's money, they contain pension funds, they contain... uh, some government agencies have their like 401ks tied up in hedge funds. So it's not entirely a good thing. And also if hedge funds start getting screwed, they are such a large part of our capital system that the whole market will go down as a result over time. So it's this fun little balancing act. I'm trying to, I mostly just wanted to talk about it because I think it's the most interesting story that we've seen in a long time. Like, non-social justice related this story is fascinating to me based on it's almost a different form of social justice that people were trying to take on but we also may be going in above our heads and i'm interested in uh i'm interested in seeing how it plays out who is going to end up winning who ends up losing who ends up getting hurt cuz the fact of the matter is Wall Street still has a ton of capital eventually they will continue to short at even higher prices and they will win. Like they'll make their money at the end of the day. I think a great message was sent by what they did that we're, we're paying attention to what you're doing now. Closer than we were before. And we're not cool with it. So maybe chill on some of your shorting positions But who knows how this is going to turn out. It's why the GameStop GameStop stock AMC stock saga right now on Wall Street, uh, for all the Redditors out there, for all the people on social media who think they are on some huge crusade and picking up a program-defining victory, just beware. I'm going to give you the premature Gatorade dump award of the week. Just (laughs) beware here that you're not getting your colch all freezing cold for
0: no reason here. As someone who does not know the most about economics, I try to avoid saying too much if I'm that clueless. But I would be utterly fascinated, like you said, to see just where this goes from here.
1: I mean, people are blowing up right now because a lot of trading platforms have just removed GameStop
0: and AMC AMC
1: from being eligible to be traded and so a lot of the reaction from the everyday person on social media right now is see this is how the game is rigged wall street has no rules until they start losing money i see no lies i see partial truths because there are circuit breakers in the stock market that are supposed to act in a way To prevent the market from becoming a volatile cesspool of danger and what's happening right now with this high volume of trading on these two stocks it's creating a volatile cesspool that it will snatch some amateurs who are essentially gambling up and ruin their life savings hedge funds will probably come out okay um it's, it's more of just the overall effects on the market are destabilizing and unhealthy, and that turns out to be bad for anybody who's long in stocks because if you have a destabilized market, that's creating conditions for where a stock could just crash and somebody who has their life savings in that for the long haul gets screwed. Um, so it's... a uh, Again, the overall intent, the original intent of what they decided to do to like sort of expose a hedge fund for shorting a stock. And let's be clear, when you're shorting a stock, you are betting against other people's long term positions, essentially. I like it. I like the intent behind it. I just think there needs to be some caution exercised, and some of the people who are freaking out that this is all, you know, the game is rigged. Like, you're not entirely wrong, but you're not entirely right either, from my understanding. So it's just one of those situations that has more nuance.
0: Nuance is very important. Sometimes nuance can be applied to childhood games, and sometimes they can't. Does the game Duck, Duck, Goose mean anything to you? I mean, it was one of my
1: favorites. Who doesn't love a good game (laughs) of Duck, Duck, Goose?
0: I shouldn't really need to explain it for the people, should I? No.
1: If if you don't know how to play Duck,
0: Duck, Goose, just get out of here. Log off now. (laughs) Well, there is always a chase when it comes to Duck, Duck, Goose. When you're you're the goose, you got to chase somebody round and around and around. And if you don't catch them, you're stuck in the same old cycle over and over and over again. And our conference member up in the Bronx, Fordham University, their men's basketball program, has been playing Duck, Duck, Goose for nearly two decades. Jeff Neubauer is no longer the head coach At Fordham University, they have, quote, decided to part ways, and this is during the season. So there are still games left for Fordham to take on for the rest of their conference slate. And I even saw a picture of Jeff Neubauer running a practice in his boxers. No, Seriously. Yes, I, I, I will I will send you that picture later, but he was literally running practice in his boxers. We got Fran Fraschilla 2.0 over I, here? I What's going on? I don't even really know what to say about that. But our <laughs> poor con, But our poor conference mates, they've really been trying to chase success time and time again. Jared Grasso, who's currently the head coach at Bryant University, was the interim head the last time a coach was fired midseason at Fordham, which was back in 2009. It was during the 2009-2010 season, if I recall correctly. All of that to say, maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but they thought that when they hired Tom Pecora and he got John Severe at the Rose Hill gym, then it was supposed to be Jeff Newbauer. I don't know what it will take to finally bring that program back to relevance because the bar is super low. Super, super low. But the Duck, Duck, Goose Award goes to Fordham men's basketball. As a New Yorker, I'm actually really hopeful as y'all figure it out this time. All right, so in
1: Duck, Duck, Goose... <laughs> If you are incapable of catching anybody in your circle because they're all just faster than you, what would be the logical decision to make? Quit. Find a slower circle. (laughs) Like
0: I said, quit.
1: Like Fordham's not getting fixed until they leave the A-10. Go back to the Mac. I'd even
0: go Patriot. I'd go full-fledged Patriot League, actually.
1: I think but they were of, they yeah. were in the I think they were in the Patriot. They were League in both.
0: the Mac before. They were in the Mac before they got there.
1: Yeah, they were with they were with Manhattan, Fairfield, Marist, Niagara, Iona, all those guys. Like
0: that's where they belong. Oh, that might that might actually be a better fit. I mean it's, they've got they've got the Patriot League for football, so I'm I'm thinking, especially since they're a good academic school, that, that might be a good fit too.
1: They could go Patriot League too, but like they they don't belong at the A ten level. They don't spend the money, they don't have the resources I mean, they might have the resources, but they don't allocate them to their athletics department to compete with the A-10. Like, we've been to Rose Hill Gym. It's got charm, but it's not UD Arena. It's not where VCU plays.
0: The Siegel Center is different. UD is... Those two
1: arenas it's, are different. It's not Mullen Center. It's not, you know... It's not even this many. Yeah, it's not. Not even close. So, like, you're competing outside of your depths. Find a slower circle.
0: That's the end of that. Like, I just, like, I'm so hurt though. I, 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 don't know what it is in me. But I just, I really just want them to be good, man. Because yeah, women, would be women's basketball is doing just fine. Fordham baseball won the conference last year, if I recall correctly. Their Fordham softball program has been running that conference. I don't think they're really going anywhere. And I don't think – could they really just take their men's basketball team and play in a different conference? Like, that that feels a little weird to me.
1: It would feel a little weird, but after 45 years of losing, I would try something. (laughs) I mean, I honestly don't think that Fordham basketball has been relevant since. Digger Phelps. Digger, yeah. Like – so try something else find a slower circle that's all i got for you
0: we had to end on a much lighter note this time around if we're gonna start that heavy it's nice to find something to sort of i guess cleanse the palate a little bit
1: yeah uh, i need to provide an update for you you know how I told you that GameStop was uh, trading at like four oh six a share just moments ago? Correct. It's currently trading at three hundred thirty dollars a share right
0: Uh-oh, now. Oh, it's starting to fall. Well, j-
1: it's volatile. It's going to keep bouncing around like this, and this is why I gave out the beware the early Gatorade dump. Don't just see this as some ever running gravy train that if you hop on. You're going to be up $1,000 in 25 minutes. I mean, like, it's possible that could happen, but you are just as likely to be down $1,000 in 25 minutes if you turn away from your computer. Oof. So, like, just, just don't do
0: day trading. <laughs> <laughs> that's if, what my moral <laughs> to the story if, is. If you got, look, if you got money to burn, God bless you. I, 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 I just don't. That's what, that's what. Like, that's what the stock market feels like to me. It's it's legalized gambling. Oh, it absolutely it is. It is legalized gambling. And I.
1: <sighs> In which case, I'd much rather
0: play a game. I understand. Blackjack is 21, baby. I, you, that's <laughs> simple. I can do that math. Oh, man. But folks, we're out of here. And we have done early tapings the last two days, rather the last two episodes. And now you get it fresh. Fresh, fresh, fresh. Hot off the griddle. Etc. etc. Where can the people find us?
1: Uh they cannot find us trading GameStop because it's now down to 310 a share. It's (laughs) this is wild.
0: It's coming down. It's coming down. Wild
1: stuff, folks. I'm gonna be watching this all day. That's gonna be my activity on my day off. (laughs) You can find us on the socials at award tour pod on twitter and instagram 298 31 a share this is just rapid fire losing <laughs> money right now
0: i gotta turn this to turn 297 i gotta turn this episode around quick
1: oh my man. goodness you can also find me on twitter at brian Alban life you can find unqua on twitter and instagram at underscore i am unqua capital a capital B. Did I say capital A before the capital I? Yes, you did. Let's try that again. Capital I, capital A, capital N. GameStop's just got me.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: It's like third party riding this roller coaster now with these people.
0: Oh, man.
1: It was trading at 470 a share at 10 o'clock. It is 1045 right now. And it is trading at 297. That's insane. It's not healthy, people. Let's get it together.
0: Get out, and get
1: out now. <laughs> what should people do on uh, Anchor?
0: So Spotify, oh Apple, hmm. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them, that's where they're available on a weekly basis, especially on your Thursdays. And on Anchor, you can leave us on their very beautifully new designed app. Leave us a voice message if you have an award to give or you want to talk about something else. We're here. We're ready. And uh, we'll all get used to it. Um, The moral to today's story before we sign off. Day trading is not for the week. (laughs) Swim in safer pools, (laughs) fishes. Don't get eaten by sharks. Deuces. See you next week.